Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into this very special edition of the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side by sides, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three day shipping. So easy to see why Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com is. The trusted online source for all of us out there. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Rocky Mountain. Thank you, Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Go check out the gear, hard parts, everything that WPS has to offer. You can go find it on flyracing.com. They make great products. And, of course, Racetech, racetech.com. Tis the season to get your suspension revalved or refurbed. Doesn't matter which one, you got to go to racetech.com to get it done. They are the one-stop shop for engine and suspension services, so go check them out. So yeah, so I wanted to preface this interview with Ricky Brabeck just to give you some, I guess, background on the guy. I've known Ricky for a long time. Of course, you guys know that I'm up here in Asperia in the high des. Ricky has been a high des native for a long time. I have spent... Many afternoons slash evenings with Mr. Brabeck, um, even before or was the Dakar rally guy that you see now. Ricky was almost 300 pounds. He focused in, really wanted to do good in the off-road racing world, lost weight, was training, was eating right. He'd go out and bicycle rides with me and Gary, for that matter, Gary Sutherland. We'd all ride together a lot. Um, I've grown to know Ricky to be more of like a gentle giant. He is not an in-your-face type of guy. He uh, is very organic. I like Ricky a lot. Sometimes we talk crap to Rick just because Ricky's goofy, but that's who he is, and that's why we all like him. But to see Ricky do what he has done, not only in the Dakar, but also in the off-road racing world here in America with the National Hare and Hound Association, you know, winning championships, doing multiple levels of racing. He's he's come a long way in his motocross skills. I know he probably doesn't really want to hear it, but uh, he spent a lot of time with me riding some moto, and when he does, he's come a long way. He was really bad at motocross at one point, and he got a lot better. Um, his corner speed's better. His jumping technique is better. He doesn't look like an off-road racing guy when he rides. He's not, you know butt off the rear fender and boner air and everything. He's he's come a long way, and I like his drive and determination on motorcycles, but as life as well, you know. So um, I really wanted to sit down and do this interview with him after the Dakar because I can't even imagine. It's not even me, and I was sick to my stomach for Rick after his bike broke at Dakar. So immediately I wanted to do this interview no matter what. I Of course, I wanted to get with him if he won, but no matter what, I wanted to get with him on the trials and tribulations of this event to let you guys know out there who Ricky is as a rider and a person, but also get some insight on what the Dakar is about and what it's like to go through um, all of the things that those riders have to go through in this race. To me, it's kind of like the Tour de France, right? It wasn't as long this year, the Dakar Rally wasn't as long as it normally is, but 10 stages, that many kilometers on a motorcycle with your butt on the seat, that's gnarly. And I don't care who you are. I'm a, I'm a motocross rider, but I'm a fan of dirt bikes. I'm a fan of people. And I really wanted to do this podcast for you guys out there so you knew exactly what it's like for a guy to go through what he went through. So hope you guys enjoy this podcast that we did. Uh, we had a good time doing it. And, uh, Hopefully, Ricky will start riding some more moto with me, and maybe I will start riding some more off-road with Ricky. I know we battle back and forth on who's going where, 
and on who's riding what, but I could uh, I could take some notes from Ricky in the off-road racing world and learn a lot. So enjoy this podcast, everybody, and of course, always root for the red, white, and blue, and this is the Ricky Brabeck interview. So here we are, once again, Kiefer Tested Podcast. We are with none other than American Hero just recently. That's what we were just talking about on the way over, how many people have adopted this guy into their lives in the last, what, two and a half, three weeks. So, Ricky Brabeck, back from Dakar. That's true. I'm back here at Kiefer Inc. Uh, studio. Yeah. We don't have a Ricky Brabeck jersey, though. We need one of those in here. Yeah, it's all right. We'll get you one. We have a Caselli jersey, though. That's good. I'll go right around there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, just breaking it right down to it, we did a podcast before, and we kind of gave some of your backstory, but... For the people that maybe just turned on by you from the last Dakar, give us some of your background, how you got into dirt bikes, where you come from, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, you know, hopefully I could turn a lot more people on. But uh, my background in dirt bikes came from uh, many years ago. My dad took me out to Honda Valley for my first time, which is, in fact, where I live right now. Um, that's where I really learned to ride dirt bikes and then uh, – you know, I wasn't very into it. Um, I like to ride uh, bicycles a lot more than dirt bikes, and that was kind of like my my, uh, my forte, I guess, until I was about 15. And then uh, once I moved up here to Oak Hills, California, I went to school in Serrano, uh, kind of ditched the whole uh, sports thing, and then um like to ride dirt bikes a lot more than play sports. So um, that being said, I just stuck with dirt bikes, did my first race in 2007, and then I think I raced two times that year. It always, it, has it always been off-road, or is it mo- moto? No, I, I rode motocross when I raced BMX. And then, um, you know, I wasn't really good at, like, riding dirt bikes. You know, I was more into the BMX thing. So I would just ride motocross uh, for fun, like a lot of weekend warriors do. And then, um, yeah, I did my first off-road race in 2007. And then uh, kind of just stuck with it through 2008. Uh, graduated high school. Things got a little bit rough with my uh, family and I, and especially my dad and I, you know, always button heads and living with each other. But um, we looked past that. We uh, we we got we got around that. But, um, you know, it, it was, was it hard. like a mini dad thing or is it just like was it racing oriented most of the time? No, my dad was never a mini dad or never like a, a baseball dad or yeah. or nothing like that. Always easy going. But, um, you know, the whole work working with your dad thing is. Oh, is so yeah, rough. you had a job and you're working with him. Got it. Yeah, that's always rough, you know. Um, working with family is not easy, and I think a lot of people know this or have not experienced it. But, yeah, anyways, you know, uh, got expensive supporting yourself. You know, at 18 years old, 19 years old, dirt bikes aren't cheap, um, especially these days. So, you know, I kind of fell off, you know, started to party a little bit or a lot of bit, um, and then I just realized I hated work, so I just went back to dirt bike riding and training and then uh, – I'm very fortunate to be where I am today, for sure. So going with that, you know, back then, the Ricky that I see here now talking to you wasn't always the Ricky that was, shoot, not even three to four years ago, right? Like, you were a bigger dude. You lost a lot of weight. You buckled down. I think a lot of people maybe not know that side of you. I see old pictures of Ricky sometimes when shit pops, you know, pops up on Facebook. And, uh, dude, that doesn't even look like you. Like, how much did you weigh back then? Yeah, you know, the we all have the Facebook memories yeah. a couple of years ago, seven years ago, six years ago. Um, back then, I don't know if you guys follow or not, but I was posting some big Ricky Brabeck old school photos <laughs> um, looking like, you know, all denim with a red bandana looking like Cheech and Chong. But uh, back then was like 292 pounds, 297 pounds was my heaviest. And yeah, it's quite pathetic. But, uh, you know, I, I changed my life and it, it was for the better. Yeah, so that's the power of dirt bikes. We all, I kind of always preach that and talk to people how important. Like for me, growing up in the high des, a lot of bad shit happens around up here, right? A lot of drugs, a lot of you know people drinking, you party. I guess like that anywhere you go when you when you grow up. But when you have dirt bikes in your life and you want to go ride the next morning, you kind of steer clear from all that. And uh, it sounded like you had a path that you know you kind of feel like you wanted to go down and you wanted to have dirt bikes part of your life. And you know, and then you started racing more. You lost weight. And then you win a championship out in the Des, Heron Hound. Two? Yeah, two two championships. Right. So is that, before we get into Dakar, I want to talk about this, too. 
I know everyone's listening to because of Dakar, but everyone just chill out. I want to get this past, past this here. Chill the fuck out. Yeah, chill out. <laughs> so uh, it's funny because I didn't really know much about you. I lived in the desert all my life, and we didn't really run across each other until a few years ago. So Ricky rides off-road. Um, we have common friends. And then you pop up. You start getting a ride. You go to Baja, race Baja. Kurt passes away. And that's when I really started noticing about what you're doing in Baja. So that was your dream. You wanted to go race Baja and win Baja. Yeah, back then my dream was to always win the Baja 1000. Uh, Dusty Glory came out 2005, I think, uh, and that when it came out, that was like my that was my thing. I wanted to go to Baja. I wanted to win Baja. Uh, Kurt passed away, and then I felt like after that I needed to really step up and and follow in Kurt's footsteps. So that kind of gave me the drive. So now, still to this day, I I believe that. I need to follow Kurt's footsteps and and finish what we have started. Right. So, Heron Hound, you won what year is the Heron Hound Championships? 2014 and 2016. Okay. So 2014, 2016 go by. In though in that time, you won your championships. Were you thinking like, hey, I want to go try Dakar? Was that even in the realm? Was it just Baja and Heron Hound at first? It was Baja, Heron Hound, and Best in the Desert at first. Um, I always watched Dakar Rally on TV. You know, it's the greatest race in the world, the greatest motorsport race in the world. But uh, for sure, you know, not not knowing anything about it, it seemed damn near impossible to get there. Right. And in 2015, Quinn Cody called me and asked what I thought about Rally. And I kind of told him. And he linked me up with uh, Wolfgang Fisher, who was the manager of Honda back then. And uh, we started from there. Quinn took me out from my road book. Dude. Did you completely suck? Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. We dude, We spent all day doing a road book that was 100 miles. It was it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You look back on it, and now you guys do 500K plus, yeah. and you did 100 miles, and it took you all day to do a road book. Yeah. Trying to figure it out my first time because I had – my paper was a mess. My paper was full of color. Yeah. looked like a rainbow. Quinn was laughing at me. But, uh, you know, he kind of – he kind of taught me right. He didn't. He didn't really do anything for me. He just gave me the road book, made me tape it together. Didn't tell me how to market. Just wanted to see how I went about it. Sent you out, and sent me out and followed me. And we spent the whole day getting lost. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, after Heron Hound, you were on Kawasaki for one of those, right? And yeah. And you were on Honda for the next one. Yeah, correct. Um, even after you won your first Heron Hound championship on Kawasaki, you really didn't have a ride for the next year, right? No, I. I bought a Cowie from Northland, and my dad bought a Cowie from Northland, so I had two bikes. And then, uh, unfortunately, that year I was battling with Gary and had a big wreck, and, you know, I was out for the rest of the season. But, yeah, I came back with, you know, I kind of got a ride when I had a broken broken neck, so right. that's pretty cool. And you got a Honda ride yeah. with Johnny. Yeah. So JCR Racing kind of got your foot in the door, I think, even more with yeah. Rally and having better equipment, obviously, and you won your next championship. And then that, and how, now here we are. We're going to go Dakar Rally. You know, you decided to skip Heron Hound this right, last yeah. year. Yep. Um, even though our good buddy GS1 had the had the plate, and he didn't get to ride his. You know, so uh, one and done. Yeah. So it's sad not to see any of the high <laughs> desert guys. You know, go race Heron Hound. But um, so last year you rode Dakar Rally. How was? How do you feel last year's performance was? Uh, last year. I started off really slow, um, and the years before, I always started off slow in Dakar. You know, um, 15 days is a long time to ride a dirt bike. Um, you do get one rest day, but the rest day is not really a rest day. It's usually full of press and, and media things and questions and local uh, TV, local newspaper, you know, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, for 15 days, you know, you got to conserve your body. You got to start out slow, I thought, at least. You had to start out slow. And then I just told myself this year, dude, it's 10 days. I can hammer down for 10 days. And I I just started out of the gate full gas. And um, surprisingly, you know, unfortunately, I broke on day eight. But uh, every day I was giving it 100%. And not once did I get tired of of riding. Not once did I get tired of fatigue. Um, so mentally and physically, you were in it from the beginning. Yeah, men- yeah exactly. Physically, mentally... I'm in it. I'm still in it right now. I could, I could have kept going. Right. Um, you know, we have massages every day, which is normal for most teams. 
but yeah, I never once felt like, oh, I'm sore. My my back's sore. My legs are sore. My my glutes are sore. Nothing. My my hand got sore um, one day, but that was it. I taped it up the next day, used it for uh, taped up, and then after that day, I took the tape off just to, you know, it was an extra layer, basically, of skin, and I was good after that. But so before we get in the meat of the race, because this is what you know, I know what you guys are all tuning in for. People that may not know much about rally racing, give us some background of Dakar, like for guys that may not know about. It. And honestly, like I know some about it, you know, just from being around you, but I don't know a whole lot about it. So give me the synopsis of Dakar Rally. Uh, Dakar is the toughest race I think in the world. Uh, at least they they claim it is. Yep. But uh, and it's and it's it used to be Perry Dakar, and it hasn't been that for a while, right? Paris to Dakar, yeah. yeah, yeah. It hasn't been. I mean, Africa got a little dangerous, I guess, a couple years ago, so they kind of, you know, steered away from that. Yeah. But there's rumors maybe we're gonna go back to there. But uh, Dakar is, you know, the gnarliest, supposed to be the toughest motorsport race in the world. Um, so it's not easy mentally, physically, or for your machine. Uh. If you can get five hours of sleep a night, you're That's you're good. on you're on a good. If you can get five hours of sleep a night, your schedule is is amazing. Um, there was three nights in a row. I think we were waking up at two thirty in the morning. Uh, Johnny Campbell was actually my my roommate in the motorhome with uh, Nacho Cornejo. Um, we had breakfast every morning at three in the morning. Johnny was up there cooking eggs and coffee and oatmeal for us but Dakar is uh brutal you know it's it's exhausting it's mentally uh fatiguing uh it puts a lot of stress on you puts a lot of stress on your bike let alone leading the Dakar overall is I've never had so much stress in my life or how many how many k is it per stage like average um no this year was actually the, the shorter year because we were all in one country but uh we had one day where we had like 380 kilometer special, and then a 467 kilometer uh, liaison, which is highway. Yeah, that was a long day. Um, we had a couple days where we were leaving at four in the morning with 300 kilometer transfer. Jesus, and then a 360 kilometer stage. So, so what? Like, like I got. I guess I'm trying to picture this. So you have a 300k stage. You're in. You're not in cruise mode, but you got to get there at a certain time. And yeah. but you're not in race pace. So how do you just switch that to when you get okay? Here we go. Buckle down. 300k. I got to pin it. Well, I talked. You know, I I tried to explain it to Shorty. Yeah. You know, because he's new to it. You know, it, it's hard riding on the highway for three to four hours. Yeah. Because you have to obey the speed limits, stoplights, and everything. You know, and you have a certain amount of time to get from A to B before you start the special. Right. So, yeah, in the morning at four in the morning, you're you're wrecked. You're tired. You're just cruising down the highway. And then I tried telling Shorty it's not easy to, to ride all morning on the highway and then snap into race mode and and give it the beans for four hours. Right. And he and he was explaining to me, like, dude, it's it's the same like Supercross. If you think about it, they don't you know, they, they go race their motor and sit in the motorhome. Right. And then they sit in the motorhome until their next heat and then they they're full gas again from the gate. But I mean it's it's something you have to train your body to do. You know, if we have hair and hounds, we can wake up early and go warm up. We can go ride around. Right. In rally, you ride to the start, and that's it. You can stretch. But you can't go off in the middle of the desert and go do, like, a turn track warm up. Right. None of that, you know? Do you guys mostly ride all together when you're doing these liaisons? No, because everything you leave on a, on a minute. Okay. So, so everyone has a certain time they leave for themselves. Yeah, correct. Okay. So that's what I was wondering. I was like, no, if you guys had a pack, you just like, like a biker gang just driving down the street, like all you guys, you know? Well, if it's like a, a long liaison, then yeah, we, we kind of group up, you know, at a, at a gas station or something. We get some coffee, some food, fill up, and then we'll go ride together. But usually it doesn't very, it doesn't happen very often unless it's a really long liaison, but yeah. All right. So let's get in the meat of this race. Okay. So we mountain bike together. We, we, we see each other. Did you expect for yourself, and I don't think this was your expectation last year, did you expect 
to lead this year where you expected? Because last year we called you, we were, you weren't the leader of the team. No. So were you the leader of the team this year? Uh, I, I think, I think the team kind of doubted me before I started, which I mean, for me, whatever, if you're going to doubt me, then that's just going to give me more, more will to go faster. Right. But, uh, yeah, you know, I had a high expectations coming into here. I did a lot of training with Jimmy. I did a lot of training with, uh, Andrew. Yep. I went to Sonora, Mexico, Johnny. I, I spent a lot of time doing rally. Was this the most you spent time for training? Or, yeah, yeah. I've never trained before a Dakar like I trained this last year or this year. Yeah. So, you know, obviously it paid off. I went in to Dakar having high expectations, but I never would have thought I'd be leading the Dakar. Right. And I'll tell you one thing, that's the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever had happen so far. Right. Like shaking on the starting line, opening the stage. It's pretty scary. Yeah. So <laughs> you were basically, you know, touted to be a domestique again this year. Right, that's what we call it in cycling yeah. world. So I guess that's kind of similar for you guys. Yeah. And the captain would have been on your team. Was the forgot the guy's name went off the cliff. John. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then he's out of the race. You're in. You're yeah. the guy. You're leading. Um. Obviously, yeah. you kind of said like what goes through your mind, but like it feels like you know on TV you held it together and you were doing fine. Like you were having fun with it. You you kind of put it aside. Yeah, you know when you have a when you have a bike that you enjoy riding that works really good. Of course, you're gonna go ride and have fun and enjoy it. Um, but me and Jawan were kind of going back and forth. Uh, me and him were were up front leading, you know, first and second or first, second, third or second, third. You know, kind of going back and forth, riding really good. Mm-hmm. And we were working together, but unfortunately, Jawan kind of fell off, fell off the track in the fog and. Couldn't get out and. Did you see him down there when you were riding? No, you couldn't see ten feet in front of you. Okay. Uh, it was. Did you? You could barely see your front fender. We were going so slow, and yeah, I didn't see him. You know, I was behind him. And it was dusty and foggy, so that made your goggles muddy, basically. But and, uh, and they said you guys said there was a problem with your road book right in that area. Um, about thirty kilometers after that, yeah, the, the road book was wrong, and uh, they said this year you can't. You can't protest the road book, but I'm going to call bullshit because the same area we went by three days later with the same note that was wrong, but three days later, there's a modification on the same note. Uh, so there's 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 some headbutting going on there, and I'm not very happy about it yeah. because I tried so hard to protest it. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so let, let me touch on this. In the Tour de France, the French hate – Americans as far as they don't want Americans to win does the ASO do you feel like having an American lead do you think that has anything to do with anything suspect in this in this race uh I know I don't know I don't think so I think it's just how people look at it um I've never had a problem with ASO so I, I couldn't tell you but you know I did realize this Dakar that there was basically new rules or Rules would be changed every other day. Like running changes? Yes, oh, every day. Yeah. So this is, for, for me, is crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, they they said, uh, I'm sure all you guys know, but a lot of teams have map guys, you know, to lay out the map. I don't really prefer this. <laughs> okay. Because I don't it, – it's hard for me to look at a map and then go race. So you'd you know? rather go through it yourself? I'd rather just – Give me the road book and I'll just go as fast as I can through it. Don't show me anything. Oh, okay. So there's a lot of so no map man. Oh wow. So that's what they that's what ASO doesn't want. And then there's like some other sneaky people out there that try to do other things. Right. So two days later there's another rule mm. that everyone had to sign. And then two days later there's another rule where you can't tamper with your equipment or it's a big penalty. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, but they were orange, tampered with their equipment right on the start. Mm. So Got when, a when you see this kind of shit, what goes through your mind? And you're racing, and you're like, are you pissed? Or are you just like, hey, whatever, I'm just going to mind my own business and do what I do? Or what What goes through your mind? I'm there to race, and I'm not there to, I'm not there to complain to win. Right. So if we're going to race, we're going to race. Put the map guys away. Don't mess with your equipment. Don't complain. Let's race. Heads up. And uh, that's kind of like my mentality through the whole rally. So, 
I don't know. I don't know. For me, I think that mentality works the best. Right. So when people try to push information via map guys or via information from so-and-so, I don't care. I'll, when I get there, I'll worry about it. And if it's if it's not in the road book, then you're not on the road book. Right. Because everything in the road book is correct, usually. So you're in the stage, find out you're leading, and you have the, and you have and you have a bad day, I guess what I would say, a bad day after you 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 were leading, right? And how did you get mentally to recover from that? Like you felt like you were still in a good position after that day. The day that I lost 18 minutes, I was very angry at that note that I was just telling you about. Yeah. And I so didn't want to do anything about it, so that made me more mad. And the next day, I for sure. For sure, at the finish of this day, I wanted to go home. Oh, I, told, really? I told Johnny, I was like, dude, I'm over it. I want to go home. They're not going to help me out. I want to go home. It's it's bullshit. Right. You're risking your life out there. And yeah. You, you're, and you, yeah. And the next day, I was just so mad, and I was like, oh, my rally's over. I'm 18 minutes down. There's no way you're going to recover 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. The next day, I don't know. I was just so mad that this happened. So, I, dude, I just freaking, I just held the throttle back and, didn't even care. Just whatever happened, happens. Whatever happens is going to happen today, and today's going to be the day that I either make it out or I'm going to crash. So and you you get back, you finish, and you realize, oh, shit. I'm back in the lead of the rally. So how does it go from there? Like, what are you feeling? I was really excited, and that gave me, like, so much more confidence for the next few days, which I think helped me for the next, you know, the next days until, obviously, I had the issue, but... um yeah, you know, knowing that I rode like that and I didn't have, like, one close call, um, it just gave me confidence. Like, wow, I can ride the bike way faster and, and it's safe. Right. So the, that confidence booster was, was nice to have. So I got a lot of comments and people asking me because they know you live near me and stuff. They said the clicker, you know, the, the comment about you and the clickers, hey, someone screwed them. Mm-hmm. Um, it weren't like that yesterday. You told me one was at 40 Clicks. Yeah, forty clicks. Another one was at wherever you had it. Twenty. Before. And but this is my forks. Right. So you're riding and you feel this? No, I. So I knew where we were going because we had the same. We were starting in the same area as last year, and the dunes are big and soft and brutal. You know, it's hard to ride. So I was, you know, my my plan was cause I started in the back. My plan was to just crank my clicks in. You know, like four clicks. And I went to get a flat a flat screwdriver for my shock. I could go no clicks on my shock, and the the flathead was like stripped out. So I'm like, wow, okay, that's strange. And then I went up to the forks anyways, and went like three clicks in. Mm-hmm. And then um, I did that, not even thinking. I just, wow, that's weird. Must have been something that suspension guy did. Right. And then I get back on the day mm-hmm. and tell like uh, Johnny, I tell Hide. And then I tell Shoa, and then I guess you know twenty minutes later they check it out and told me one one fork tube was all the way clicks in, and then the other fork tube was like kind of normal where I normally run it just plus three. Yeah, and my shock was forty clicks. Hmm. So I had I guess my bike was it was all unbalanced, full unbalanced bike. Wow. Yeah, and I rode the whole day like this. Wow. So thinking of that now that you know that. All the bikes are in an impound, correct? Is it impound or is it in no. front of the pit or how does that work? This overnight? was this was like our rest day. So okay. we had a rest day on Saturday, which wasn't really a rest day. Like half the day was rest day, but we had to we had to transfer on Saturday evening, three hundred or two hundred kilometers, to some uh, marathon night. Right, and we put all of our bikes on a field. But you know, obviously, I started up in the front of the group, so you know they let riders in. You put your bike there, and you leave. So there's probably 100 bikes behind me, 100 bikes plus behind that stuff to come Is in. Is there someone manning that area? Yeah, I mean. ASO, just, ASO officials? Yeah, but they just like, they just point you in the direction where to go. They're not you, like guarding it or yeah, looking at for it. Sure, or... For sure there's no guards. Right. So you, you, you more or less basically think it could be someone, a rider, not ASO base or someone screwing with anything. Yeah, Um you know, I went out the next morning at 3.15 in the morning, and I saw, like, a bike really close to my bike, like, kind of leaning on it, and for me, it was kind of strange. You know, I, it wasn't, you know, my Instagram post said, 
thanks for the clicks, mate. And I think a lot of people got it, you know, taken that it was it was right. Toby or, yeah. or something. But I know for a fact that at a professional level that no matter if you hate somebody or, you know, as a joke, There's no one respect, right? No one at a professional level would mess with suspension clicks. Right. And I don't know if the bike that was really close to mine, like leaning on mine, maybe the guy was tired and thought it was his bike. I don't know. And I can't point fingers because obviously I, I put my bike there and went to the hotel room. It was like 8 p.m. and I was just trying to get to bed for a 2.30 wake-up call. Yeah, right. But, um, yeah, anyways, a lot of people got it mistaken for my Instagram post because I said mate, so I, I had to fix that. Uh, for sure, wasn't Toby because I, I left with Toby the night before and went with Toby in the, the, the next morning. So I can't point fingers, but I know that it was for sure tampered with. Did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna come with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? I know you didn't think that. 65 years ago, Vertex Pistons was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Today, because of their renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex is an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. No matter which brand of bike you ride, when it's time to rebuild your top end... Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see a full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons, high compression or GP-style configurations, visit VertexPistons.com or stop into your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Pistons kit today. They are good quality, and they come in KTM and Husqvarna. Check them out, and of course, email me, Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. I'll get you an email for a discount code and get your stuff done. Hey, what's up? Technology. That's what I'm talking about here. It's a great thing. I love it. But I also can pull my hair out with it as well. However, there is a company that you probably have seen on the Rockstar Husqvarna race team, Dean Wilson, Jason Anderson, called Skosh. It's spelled S-C-O-S-C-H-E. You can go to skosh.com and check out all the products. They have really, really cool stuff. They have headphones. They have boom bottles. They have phone chargers for your Droid, your iPhone. They have magic mounts. They have wireless chargers. They have huge cables that will reach all the way across your house if you need a charger and you don't have an outlet close like my house. I don't have that many outlets. They just have a bunch of cool products to make your life easier when you're out in the garage, when you're in your car, when you're at your house. Just, I'm really, really pumped to have these guys on board because they sent me some stuff. I use it all the time. My favorite thing is the Boom Buoy. It's a speaker that floats on the water. I can hang out in the pool in the backyard, listen to my music. I'm a big music guy. So they just make really cool stuff that makes my life easier. So... Founded in 1980, Skosh Industries is a Ventura-based, Southern California, of course, award-winning innovator of consumer technology, power sports, and car audio products. Don't forget, car audio. You're traveling, you're sitting in traffic, you guys need to check them out, skosh.com. Committed to delivering the superior products that we all want, quality and functionality, exceptional value, and unmatched customer service. The designers and engineers at Skosh develop products that reflect a rich heritage in audio and mobile technology. Skosh finds inspiration in the California lifestyle, culture, music, and people. These influences can be seen in accessories and products that are now in the hands of homes, offices, vehicles, and people all over the world. 50 countries, okay? Hundreds of patents, trademarks, and countless industry awards received. It's easy to see why Skosh is constantly at the forefront of technology. These guys are cool. They're huge motorcycle enthusiasts. They even gave us a product code, SCOKT25. That's SCOKT25. Use that code when you go to Skosh.com. Get 25% off. Seriously, guys, go check them out. You won't ever get it. If you want to hit me up, Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. I'll let you know more, but very cool guys over there. Thanks, Skosh. Skosh.com. ScreenPrintingDone.com. You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats? 
with a logo on it, or maybe you want a logo made up for your business and you want to transfer that over to some t-shirts, go to screenprintingdone.com. Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being, and he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, hoodies, hats, different fabrics, all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up, screenprintingdone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer. That's right, Kiefer and screenprintingdone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. Have you guys checked out bloodlubricants.com? If you haven't, bludlubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike. Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. and uh, It runs a little cooler than production oils, and uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff. Because um, I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was a little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. They got some Supercross guys. So go check them out. Bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code Kiefer. And get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check him out. Bloodlubricants.com Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right. They are on board with the KieferInkTesting.com Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 6DHelmets.com Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 60 helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race-proven, I'm telling you guys. And it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 6D Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keyforinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please, guys, go check them out. 6D Helmets, hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 60. So you're leading the race. Uh, and I forgive me if I don't know what stage it was. You you hear you hear something going on with your engine, that remote. You say, hey, I kind of feel something was going on. And you relay that you relay that back to the team. And then the next day comes. And then you're 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 on you're on your way. Because I guess we had a little direct message conversation. And you're like, dude, I, I pretty much I could have had it. I could have like rode in within my limits, even lost some time if I if I needed to, and it was still within my grasp. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're going into this day, saying, dude, this is reachable, this is obtainable. Like, yeah. and as an American, that's unheard of, right? History, right? So all that's weighing on you, I'm sure. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I'm out testing, and I get this video of you and it's just and i don't know nothing i'm driving to the test right i'm sitting there driving it's a video of you just sitting there by your bike and i'm just like no fucking way the bike took a shit so give us a rundown what happened those events those you know series of events yeah so uh it was stage eight um i had like an eight minute lead and all i had to do you know i i was supposed to start third this day um ktm was supposed to start first but i guess some equipment some equipment failed and uh you know the the time's really close so i think maybe it was a trick on someone's end right so so we would open the track and hopefully lose more time than we should have but anyways 
uh, Nacho started first. I started second. And I told Nacho, hey, don't wait for me because the longer you wait for me, the more time I'm going to lose by, you know, making sure we get the right direction to the finish. So right. Nacho opened really well. And, you know, I, I opened well until I was catching him. And then, yeah, the, the bike just kind of shut off, lost all the power. And uh, it, it was a bummer for sure. And, and on this day with the lead, you know, I was expecting maybe to lose three minutes maximum. And then that would have put me on the stage nine, which was a motocross start, 10 guys. In all sand dunes, so which wouldn't be that you couldn't really lose that much time there, right? Because you no, no, you know, you the finishing order the next day was one second apart, right? So for me, that's for me. All I had to do was maintain stage eight and get to the finish line, and then uh, the the motocross day, just ride with the group, be smart, ride with the group, finish, and then the last day was uh, reverse order of the general standings. Okay, so that would have put me starting. Last, dead last. So you had all these marks. To I had I had a freaking motocross track for a right. hundred kilometers that I could have pushed if I needed to, or or ride seventy percent, which I was. That's what my plan was, but you know, writing your plans down, it never works. So don't ever write your plans down. Just <laughs> always go for it. But yeah, that that was my that was my thing. The stage eight, all I had to do was maintain, and I think everything was in was in our hands. So uh, take us through exactly, and, 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 and man, I hate to bring this up because I was sick to my stomach, and I wasn't even in your position. Take me through that moment when you felt your bike just starting to go. Like, were you just like, no, this is a fucking dream. Like, there's no way this is happening. That's, that's exactly what I said when it happened. This was a fucking dream. And then, uh, yeah, the bike died, and I kind of knew already what it was. Because this has happened to me before in previous years, um, for sure it was heart wrenching. I took my helmet off, thought about it, sat on the ground. Did you cry? I had cried a little bit, dude. Yeah, for sure. It it, it was it was pretty hard, yeah. and I just got I got really angry. I threw my helmet probably as far as I could throw it. Threw my I threw my goggles. I was pissed, you know. And no one started behind me, you know. No one was even coming, so I was by myself. And then. Uh, you know, the the Erie track on the bike, they can call me. Yeah. So they called me and they asked if everything's okay and I just said, Yeah, everything's lovely out here. Oh. Just sitting on side of uh side of the route. And they asked if I was gonna continue and I said, No, it's impossible. Then they said, Okay, we're coming and then five minutes later, T V helicopter comes and then that's where uh it's kinda where where it got really hard when I had to talk in front of the camera and and say, say a few words. Yeah. So, man, it's 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 tough to think about. Like me, I I ride little local races and it's nothing. I mean, zero percent compared to what that was on a scale. And I would be fucking pissed, right? So, imagine not only losing something and making history. You you lost that uh, money. A trophy that's that Bad you said ass. that you didn't care about the money. And Ricky told me straight up, I go, man, that sucks. Lost a lot of money. He's like, and Rick just said, hey, I don't give a shit about the money. I care about the trophy and the prestige that this event comes with. So I thought that was that said something to me right there. So it's tough for me to fathom. And I think a lot of America, at least the off road and even motocross in general, got behind you because you were winning. Yeah, and uh, it's crazy, like. To, to see a, a, an off-road Dakar rally American rider on Supercross, you know, the week before saying, here's what's going on in Dakar, and it's an American, it's Ricky Brabeck, and I was like, dude, this is bitching. It's great for you. It's great for off-road racing. And then here we are just ranching in the desert with nothing going on, and you have to come back home. Yeah, that was uh, that, that was the hard part. You know, I, I, I talked to Johnny. Johnny's my mentor. Johnny helps me. Um but I was on the plane going home and I was like, just thinking to myself, like, dude, this fucking sucks. Right. I text Johnny a long message. I said, dude, we put a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of effort. I spent a lot of money training with, with Jimmy and, and Andrew. And the only thing we're going home with is a, 
is a bracelet with a tag on it that lets you eat shitty bivouac food. It's the only thing I came <laughs> home with. <laughs> but here, and, and, and I said this to you before, there's a silver lining to this, everyone. You were leading. Now you know. And you're, I mean, even though in the back of your mind you knew that you could do this, right? But now it, you were physically doing it, right? The team knows it. Everyone out there, okay, now you're the favorite. Like, you're the guy. Like, that is a, that is a, something to be said for. Like, now 2020 Dakar, here we come. Yeah. You know, it's I always felt like the underdog. Uh, I always felt like the team didn't really care about me or even pay attention to me. And it's funny because as a team, you know, like, you're a team. You should work together as a team. Dude, I, I don't know what's wrong with – with these guys on on my team, but they always kind of like heard to one person, mm-hmm. and in my eyes, that's that's not right. You know, I if I if it was me running a team, I would give everyone equal respect, equal confidence. You know, I wouldn't just say, "All right, this guy sucks. This guy's doing better. Let's go, let's go leave the guy that sucks by himself." And he's it's a like a stepchild, yeah, a redheaded one, yeah, um, easy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know it's. Even when I when I started doing good and started like working my way up to the front, I noticed that the team was giving me more confidence not not giving me more confidence, but like paying attention to pay, more. paying attention to me and like seeing that I could do it. You know, it gave me more confidence. And in the team, I think you, we need this. You know, for the riders, you know, because confidence creates That's everything, creates yeah. success, and yeah. and the team the team gives you confidence by making you feel comfortable. And when you don't have that, it's it's hard to ride. You just, I don't know, it's like going to a job you don't even like. Yeah, so do you feel like when you started leading, not only just because you're leading, but because other people are paying more attention to you and giving you that that attention that, and as you know, we're all riders here listening to this. We're all mental fuck-ups. Like, we're just so screwed up in the head. But when people are behind you, patting your backs, and you can do this, it actually gives you another level of confidence to ride faster. So did yeah. you feel like your riding was better after that? Yeah, um, you know, I – well, for sure this. You know, th- this always helps. A little confidence booster is always great. But uh, we also made, like, a really good suspension change the day before the race or, like, two days before the race when we were testing. It wasn't 40 clicks out and 20 on the other side. No, <laughs> no. It wasn't. It wasn't an awkward balance. Yeah. But it was a good – it was a good change. And, uh, you know, during our shakedown, we have a guy on our team – Pep, he does like our media. Um, dude, he, I don't know. He, I see the side of, of photos and, and interviews and write-ups. Mm-hmm. I see that point. But honestly, people don't want to read that. They rather go on a writer's profile and see photos and see what they say. You know, being younger generation, growing up with it, this is what people want. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're doing our shakedown and like the whole team is just, Dude, ripping up some silty corner, trying to get, like, the sickest photo. Yeah. And me and Johnny Hide and, and the suspension guy, Tamura, dude, we spent the whole day just testing. Yeah, because that's we, the end goal is to try to – Exactly. Right. And then they, they tried to get me to do photos, and I just went to the photographer. I said, hey, I'm cool with, like, three photos. Right. I don't, I don't care. This, this is not my thing. I want to win. I want bike to go straight in the bumps. Right. I'm not here to, to blow up a silk corner – for a badass photo. For the, I'm, I mean, I am if I'm not trying to win the Dakar. Right. If I'm out in Honda Valley with no racing, okay, we'll take sick photos. But yeah, we'll do bangers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when you're when you're about to do like the biggest race in the world, photos photos don't mean anything. It's it's the bike. So we're so this year you're back home. The thing is my wife's you know, my wife said this too, is like it's it's good to have Ricky back home safe for one. I mean, no matter what happens, right? That's yeah, the number one goal. You're you're back home yeah. safe. You live to fight another day. That's the thing. Um so everyone out there, that's what you gotta remember. So but the racing's not done. You're gonna race National Hare and Hound series. Are we back? We're back. We're back for the whole series? Uh interview I think I think two uh Two Heron Hounds are interfered with Rally, but um, big meeting on Tuesday to discuss this. But, yeah, Heron Hounds, uh, World Rally Championship, Mint 400, and um, possibly Vegas Torino. But, uh, and, and then would the Mint and the Vegas Torino be on the Rally bike or be on a regular bike? No, I think, uh, no, I think the Rally bike is – I don't know if we're going to race that in the U.S. Okay. Um, 
you know, that we're, we'll do Sonora Rally. But uh, no, I think we're going to try to promote the new X. Yeah, which is it's a fun bike to ride. It is. I just, yeah. So he's going to be racing National Hare and Hound Series, try to get the number one plate back from Kendall. Kendall came out of hibernation, wherever the fuck he was. I have no yeah, idea. Growing avocados. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Honda should be well represented out in the desert. Um, there was some scare about the NHHA not having a race next week. That has been approved, so that race is on. Probably should have some decent conditions. I don't think it'll be completely dried up by then. We had some rain out here, so yeah. um, is your goal is is your goal to win the series, or are you just here racing just to keep up on your racing, you know, tactics? Well, I've always said I don't sign up to lose, but uh, knowing that I'm going to have to miss a couple rounds, you know, I'm going to do my best. Um, right now, at the moment, tonight, tomorrow, I don't want to ride. You know, it would be really nice to have a break. Yeah. So. Um, I'm going to go the first Aaron Hound. You know, obviously I want to win the first Aaron Hound, but, you know, my goal there is just to make it to the finish line healthy and then finally take a break and kind of recoup because, yeah, one week home, it's one week, but it's not nearly long enough to prepare. And Is it more mental than physical? Like the like yeah. the break that you need? Yeah, yeah, it's more mental than physical. Obviously – Obviously, we're we're fit and ready to race, but uh, my mind is still on stage eight, stuck in the middle of the desert with my rally bike. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's not easy going from a rally bike to a hare and hound bike or riding sand dunes for 10 days and then going to ride enduro. Right. Um, can we talk a little bit about Shorty? Yeah, I don't know how he just raced today. Right. He freaking just landed yesterday from Peru and raced today, so that's pretty gnarly. Yeah, so fifth overall for Shorty. Today or in the oh, rally? Yeah, the rally. Oh, yeah, yeah, the rally. He did good. Yeah. I think Shorty today at the works race got sixth or seventh. So, not. I mean, like you said, it's got to be gnarly, right? One, you're, you're smoked. Yeah. you got to get on a bike that probably feels like an 85. For him, yeah. I I don't know. I, I, told it, I told him yesterday when he landed, I said, dude, I know what you're feeling. Yeah. Just don't even care about winning. Just make it through this round and go home and rest and then come back because I know – yeah, you know, last year or two years ago, I came from Dakar. And four days later, I raced Aaron Hound. Dude, I was wrecked. Did you win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gnarly. Yeah, but I, I think I did the whole race on like blurry vision and <laughs> just fatigued, just tired. Yeah, yeah. How long will you take off? How long do you need? You think? Just um, to... after after the first Aaron Hound, I want to do uh, two weeks of of no dirt bike. You just no. ride your bicycle. Ride my bicycle, yeah, and then. Uh, kind of enjoy myself go do something other than than like ride dirt bikes right to kind of like recharge the mind but uh yeah you know this week's gonna be tough i'm gonna ride this week probably three days just to uh, it's a small bike compared to a rally bike so you gotta condition um are we now your contract for people that out there that don't not familiar are you um you have a two-year deal you have a one-year deal where are we at with this um i think right now you know I'd rather just not talk about that, but uh, right now I have another year on the contract. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to leave it at that. Yeah, but. Yeah, so hopefully, either way, 2020 Dakar is your ultimate goal. Yeah, but we had 2019 in the bag. Yeah, <laughs> but we're here safe. You're good. Like, like I said, silver lining, you won. Yeah. In in my mind you won. It wasn't your fault. It was a, me a mechanical failure, right? So True. um not only do you know that, the team knows that, the people out there know that. And like I said, it's cool that we talked about you were at Supercross this past weekend. And it's cool to see all the American people out there get behind Ricky and get behind off road for one. Um I'm just a fan of dirt bikes in general. I respect the hell out of guys that can go fast on a dirt bike no matter what kind it is. Um so it's nice to see that you 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 said, hey, a lot of people recognize me. A lot of people that in the Supercross realm, which yeah. is rare, they recognize you. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, I never would have expected that, but you know, like I said, I was walking through pits, just trying to be uh, a, a normal a normal. You spectator. got a monster hat on, bro. You're just a Supercross guy. Hey, come on, you, <laughs> dude. If you go to Monster Supercross, 
Almost everybody has a monster hat, dude. Whether they're they're yeah, so you're blending in, like, yeah, 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 full full nine nine down there. Yeah, yeah. No, but I was walking around the pit, just trying to, I don't know, be be a normal spectator. You know, I I enjoy looking at everyone's bikes, looking at you know everyone's rigs. But man, so many people were taking me in under their easy ups, and I was pretty scared because I even went into pro circuits. Uh, rig and and oh mitch let you in yeah dude it, it was crazy did mitch talk to you yeah what shook his hand and everything what did he say dude he was i you know like everyone he's bummed for me but right. good job you know he said you're you're one hell of a guy you know but i do you I know was, what that that is a big deal yeah i know but i was so nervous like my palms were sweating right i don't I don't like that attention. I I rather just be outside the banner, just looking in. You know, stoked on the bike. That's why you're a desert guy, dude. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's pretty cool. Like, that's rare to have Mitch. You know, dude. I I've been around a long time, and I, Mitch has said two words to me. So yeah. to have him come up to you and say that's that's pretty special. Like, that's cool. Dude, well, not only that, but like about you know awesome people like Mitch, and there's. A bunch of other people. Dude, Robbie Gordon was full stoke for me. And yeah. like called me and was full stoke for me. And I seriously never in my life yeah. would have thought that. And then freaking dude, Ricky Carmichael just liking my photos on Instagram. It's like crazy. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, dude. Just a desert guy from Hesperia. Right. But they but that's what I'm saying. So you did something special, regardless if you if if it didn't finish out the way you wanted to. You still completed something special that no one ever has done, you know, and you have something to look forward to. That's how I look at it. I like, man, here I come. Like, here I am. You established yourself. So that's that's a plus. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, we train we train all year for really one race, the Dakar. Right. And when you train all year for the Dakar and you're leading the Dakar and your dreams get crushed on the third day to the end, uh, it's Dude, it's gonna it, be like a it, breakup. It's it, dude, it's it's worse than a breakup. You, you, you haven't know. been through a breakup yet, so you don't know, bitch. And I haven't been through I haven't been through Dakar yet, so I don't know. But I'm just thinking the most horrible feeling, like your wife just cheats on you, bails, and says I'm out. That gut, like I am sick. Yeah, I know, well, I, yeah, I've never been there, but uh, dude, it, it it's bad. Yeah, you're just like man. I worked all year, blood, sweat, tears, depression, everything. And then for your dreams to get crushed, 50 kilometers in, you're just like, you don't even know what to say. You're yeah. just, you're bummed. You know, you work so hard for it. And then when you can't finish and you're leading, oh, yeah, no, it's worse I, than a breakup. I, I, I want to say I understand, <laughs> but I don't understand. But I mean, I, I think all of us out there can kind of get a snippet of what you're going through. And it, it's a bad thing. But like I said, you'll be back. Live to fight another day. I feel sorry for the guys at the race you know, this coming up weekend because you're probably going to be on your game pissed off. So Exactly. So you're probably like a six-minute lead. Just watch out for those berms out in the desert, please. Don't yeah. hit those berms because uh, those things are dangerous, as you know about that, right? Yeah, the berms, road crossings, rocks, right. everything's dangerous. So, all right. Well, hey, are we going to ride moto when you're all rested up? Are uh, we going to be motoing? Yeah, moto, motoing for fun, for sure. Okay. All right, you heard it. Ricky Brayback is going to the motocross track. Going to the motocross track. <laughs> hey, hey, and I said this, and I think I said this in my intro. Um, dude, you've your motocross skills have gotten way better. Like, you were bad at one time. I was like, "Fuck, you're an off road guy." But then you went to the motocross track a lot, and I was like, "Dude, your style improved. Like, you're, you're, like it was good." Style points, dude. Yeah, you're, you're learning from Kiefer. You're doing a good job. So, I went off roading with Gary and Ricky. I'm good. Like, my quota is met for a least. Like, three or four months Kiever says he's good but you go freaking taking trail riding five <laughs> minutes later you look at him and he just looks pissed no i'm not i was having fun i was just quiet observing i'm with good riders i'm, like, I'm trying to learn but yeah no you don't see me going trail riding that much so we'll have to do a barter program but hey good to have you home congratulations even though you're bummed out good yeah. job all from all of us out here i'm sure uh your instagram followers will go up from all this and uh we'll see you for those of you listening Lucerne, that's where it's at this weekend. Lucerne. So hit up Ricky. What's your Instagram? Ricky Brayback. There it is. So true American. We're we gonna get American flag like hero on your butt patch. Are we I Alpine think, no, stars? No, 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 no. We're Alpine stars, but I think me and Andrew have a thing going on because all the Europeans. You know when you say uh, 
you leave the motocross track with your friends. You're like, hey, I'll see you later or yeah. see you, dude. Yeah. The Europeans, they don't say dude or later or anything. They just say, see you. So I think my next butt patch is going to just say, see you with the, uh, with the, <laughs> with the peace emoji sign. There you go. Hey, <laughs> I didn't ask you this, but I was wondering, do you lose weight when you're there? Like through that whole thing? Oh, I lost weight. Yeah. This, this year for sure. Dude, the food was horrible. So like 10 pounds you think, or what do you even know? No, I don't even know. I mean, I don't, I don't, so you don't weigh honest. yourself before you leave and then you come back. No, I hate the scale. Cause I just, every day I think I'm fat. Oh so I don't God. ever step on a scale. I don't even own a scale. The only reason I own a scale is to put my damn gear bags on before I head to the airport. <laughs> Are we size 34? Yeah. Oh, you're good. You're not fat. Yeah, but I got a freaking kangaroo pouch, dude. Oh, dude. <laughs> it's not gonna, when you're going to get older, it doesn't improve. Trust me. <laughs> so there you have it. Ricky Brabeck. Find him out in the Dez ripping. And he's an Asperia native, so you know I got his back. Thank you, Rick. Thank you.